Are we all feeling good today? Yeah. Are we all enjoying the sunshine, rain? Yeah. I, I just, you, know, you had to say it, but Pastor Rob is, uh, has been on vacation down in Florida. And I told him it's not fair and that he needs to bring back the sunshine. And then after Florida, he went down for a family wedding in California. I'm like, Rob, you've got to bring some of that home to us because we, we need some summer. Like, I'm desperate for some summer. Who's with me? Okay, a few of us, we need some summer, but we live in the Pacific Northwest, so there it is. Um, we are going to continue on our series. In fact, we're going to land this series this week, Loving Fiercely. That has been the challenge. And it's been a, a, a few weeks into this series challenging you and I to fiercely be committed to faith, marriage, family, and community. That's been the challenge. And I hope that you've spent some time allowing God to work on your heart to do just that. We've, we've anchored this series in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which says this. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We've, we've parked in 1 Corinthians 13 in this series, but we have to understand that, that this idea of loving fiercely is really part of the greater live, love, lead mission that we've been called to as a church. We've been called in this series to love fiercely God, your spouse, your family, and your community. And each message has been sculpted to challenge you in one of these areas. And not only do we have, do we have the messages, but we had a, some breakouts. We had a, a marriage class that was uh, some great time with some, some couples just strengthening marriage. We had a parenting class and how to, how to parent through this incredibly crazy and, and difficult season in life we're in. Uh, we've, we've been challenged in so many different ways. One of the things that we did as far as breakouts is we began, and remember I challenged you at the start of this, we're going to pray six weeks at six o'clock. We were going to commit to, to praying for our family. And, and my, my intention was six weeks at six o'clock, but as I watched people show up, and we've had sometimes 30, close to 40 people showing up to prayer, many saying, let's not stop at six. And I said, you're right. <laughs> So if you want to continue to join us, we're going to meet again tonight at 6 o'clock, and we're going to be praying for our families, for our marriages, for our community, for our church, uh, because the only way that we're going to see God do something miraculous in our church and in our community is through prayer. It starts in prayer. So I want to challenge you and invite you to come join us tonight at 6 o'clock and Sunday nights. Until further notice, we're going to pray. Loving fiercely. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13, which we've been parking in for the last several weeks. And, and, and rather than last few weeks, we've been looking at individual verses within 13. We're going to like get in a helicopter, if you will, and we're going to look at it from about a 10,000 foot level. We're going to look at what Paul is saying in context with everything else. And what I think you'll find as I've studied it is Paul says this idea. There are two things here. Not, it's not either or, not one or the other, but it's both and. Together, these things are going to be better. That's what we're going to see as we, uh, as we climb to that 10,000 foot level and look down at this. But have you ever noticed in life, there are just some things that are better together. And if you're married, now is a perfect time to look at your spouse. Yeah, there, there it is, there it is. Some things are just better together. I, I was thinking through this, I'm like, What's better together? Like coffee and mornings. The AM and coffee. Who's with me? Beautiful. There's better together. Like, like coffee and the afternoons. They're just 
better to get, like coffee and the evenings. And, and so I was writing this down, like, I'm just one track. I need to go ask the ex- experts. I need to go to where the experts lie and ask what's better together so there was no better place to find experts than right on Facebook because everybody on Facebook's an expert. They know everything. So I posted on Facebook, what are some things in your life that are better together? And here are some of my responses. Somebody said this, cookies and milk. By the way, as I say this list, you're going to get hungry because evidently all we think about is food. Um, Warm cookies and a glass of milk. Oh, is that that a go-to for anybody? Oh, too much sugar and fat? Yeah, I eat chocolate chip cookies. I don't really. Um, uh, Somebody said this, bacon and eggs. To which I responded, bacon and anything. Um, Bacon makes it better. Uh, Somebody said this, apple pie and ice cream. It's a good combo. It's like the classic combo. Uh, uh, Somebody said this, a ride in a Mustang and listening to the Doobie Brothers. Like, I, yes, I get it. Like, you ever go for a ride in a car, turn on your music, you're going nowhere in particular. It's just something good about that. I mean, we can't really do that now because of gas prices, but, but maybe someday again. Um, but you, you just, you, you get it. Somebody responded with this one, ice cream and french fries. You may say gross, but it's like, it's the, the sweet, salty. Uh, Jillian, I think you said it, but it was, it's the cold, hot, it's, it's a good, comp. try it. French fries and ice cream, I agree. Uh, there's this one, and I'm wholeheartedly for it, pineapple and pizza. Oh, come on. Preach it. I'm already making enemies. This is great. Um, somebody who, who shall remain nameless, but her initials are Carol Whitfield, said, Brussels sprouts and ready whip. Carol, I think you missed the assignment. Um, I mean, honestly, Carol, I I. I, I Ready whip on anything is good, and enough ready whip, I can eat anything. So I get you. I get where you're going there. Um, and then one more, just, just kind of for fun and, and what I believe, it's what's better together? The Cougs and the Apple Cup Trophy. I mean, they're just better <laughs> together. Wow, I'm going to get so many comments and things thrown at me. It's, it's this idea. There are, and you would agree with me, there are just things in life that are better together. See, we have a tendency in life to... Um, Sometimes just go either or, this or that. But what I think we find in what Paul writes to the church in Corinth is this. There are two things that we're dealing with here, and we need to have them together because they're better. Two things. And, and, and I'm going to spill the beans and let you know what that is. I'm not going to ha- have you hang, hang out and wait to the end to find out what they are. But these two things are this, and this is my main point. Loving fiercely cannot exist apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Loving fiercely cannot exist apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians 13. Before we do, let's pray. Lord, guide these words. Help us to read your word. May it shine on every part of our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak. Open our ears and our hearts to receive from you that when we hear these words, we will never be the same. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Like I said, we're going with a 10,000 foot uh, uh, perspective on 1 Corinthians 13. We need to understand what it says in context. If you've never been to Bible school, understand this. You don't even need to go to Bible school. Here's what it is. Context is everything. You cannot take one scripture out. I say it all of the time and I will say it till I die. The biggest way we're going to go 
go off the scripture is when we take one verse and we park everything on it, when we don't look at it from a bigger contextual perspective, what that means is you've got to read what comes before and what comes after to understand what is being said. Amen? Here's the deal. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. These are letters. He's writing to a church. Here's the advice from uh, a mentor, a leader. Paul is writing to him. And 1 Corinthians 13 is in a section of that letter that is also with chapters 12 and 14. This is all one section of Scripture, 12, 13, and 14. That's the context. We have to understand what Paul is saying in 12, 13, and 14. In bigger context, it's a letter, but in this case, Paul is challenging them. In fact, if you flip to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, we're going to understand what context this is. It says this, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question, everybody say question. Regarding your question, what is Paul doing? He is answering a question that the church in Corinth had asked. And we get the context of what that question is right here. Regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. So what happened was the church in Corinth wrote to Paul and said, Paul, we need to understand more about these special gifts, the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, and how they operate. Here's why. When you look at it in context in 12, 13, and 14, Paul is addressing this power of the Spirit because in the church in Corinth, they were operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. They were operating in the gifts, but they were doing some things a little wrong. They, 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 they missed the boat on a few things. There's two main things that were happening. There's several things, but, but one of them was this. What the church in Corinth was doing was saying, all of these gifts of the Holy Spirit, there are some that are more important than others. They put uh, uh, prophecy in tongues as the most important of the gifts, and what they would then say is, if you operate in these, you are more important than other people. You are more important than anyone else. And, and if you have any of these other, they would, they would call the lesser gifts. You need to stay over here. But if you've reached these, you've arrived. Congratulations. Paul saw it, and he addresses it in 12. The other thing they were doing wrong? When they would gather and operate in these gifts, they would start to, to, to be louder and, and, and more boisterous than everyone else. Everyone would start talking together, and there would just be this yak, yak, yak talk. They, they would move in their gifts, and then somebody would stand up with a word, and somebody would stand up with some tongues, and they would all do it at the same time. Doesn't it make you want to worship the Lord? This chaos was going on in their church. They said, Paul, we need help. Guide us. And so Paul begins this portion of the letter and says regarding your question and in parentheses and all the other things let me give you some instruction in 12 he 12 uh, chapter 12 is really summed up in verse 7 he says this a spiritual gift is given to each of us i underline that because i believe that is given to each of us so we can help each other out he says church look at me these gifts are real and they're for each of you, but they're not for you to build up you. They're for you to build up each other. They're for you to strengthen the church, to be in the embodiment of the power of the Spirit and be able to speak these words into others, to not to rip them down and say, I'm more important than you, but to build you up 
to build each other up. And he gets on this line when he jumps into chapter 13. 13 is all about love. It is love, the greatest goal, the biggest target. That's where we need to aim. He says, Corinth, you've gotten it wrong. It's about love. And then he goes into 14. Back into talking the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he talks in, in chapter 14 about several things, but one of them is starting in, in verse 26, a call to orderly worship. <laughs> he says, listen, you're talking over each other. Our God is a God of order. You need to hear this. And in context, this is what we see. This is what is going on. This is the point. Our, I have heard in my life is, is in, in church Many, many messages on 13. We like chapter 13. But listen to me, you can't have 13 without 12 and 14. We need to understand that. We like to throw that one out. I know you're getting scared. He's talking about the Holy Spirit stuff. Yes! We need, in order to love like this, we need to. Look what he says in, in, um, in chapter 12, verse 31. He says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that's best of all. What I think Paul is saying there is this. It's both and. Together, they're better. Together, these two things are better. I want to take a few moments in this, in this message to talk about those two things individually. And I think you know what they are by now. But I need you to understand, in context, what loving fiercely really is all about. The first one is this. Without love, we are nothing. Without love, we are nothing. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans, and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, I, I write in my Bible, wow! If I had all that, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. When I wrote this point, do you know what I really wanted to write? Without love, we're not much. What I really wanted to write was without love, we just come up short. Like, this word nothing hurts my feelings. I don't want to call you nothing, and I don't want to be called nothing. And I'm like, Paul, tone it down. I'm like, I, I started doing research, like, there's no way Paul could have said nothing, because that's mean. That's mean. So as a good pastor, I did what I'm supposed to do. I pulled out my Greek. I pulled out my lexicon. I started studying, like, this word nothing's got to be, it's got to be something there. And do you know what I found? You know what the word nothing means? Nothing. Nada. Zip. Zero. Zilch. Nobody. Nothing. I'm like, look at this. Do you understand the weight of what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 13? If you have all the power, but not love, you are nothing. How many feel good today? Like, wow. The weight of what he just said. He said... He says in here, um, you're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
Anybody want to be a noisy gong and clanging cymbal? I was really tempted to grab cymbals and just start pounding them at this time. Like, that would be effective, but the sound man said no. So, um, but here's what I understand. Cymbals can be loud and annoying or super powerful. How do I know? Because you might not know it, but you are in the presence of greatness right now. You're looking at somebody who lettered in band all four years of high school. <laughs> Save the applause and autographs later. This is my band, and, and, and we were good. I was in band, and we were powerful. In fact, you can see me in there. Just look for the most handsome guy in that picture. He's about right in there. You see him? Yeah, there he is. See, I was, I was, in, um, I was in the orchestra. I, I was in the, the, the percussion section of band. So it's pretty good, right? I played drums. You know, we were, we were cool. I, I liked playing drums and drum set, but where I really loved playing was in the, the pit orchestra, the, the, the percussion. Uh, in fact, um, I'm not, I, I don't want to brag, but, but I, I, I'm pretty proud of an accomplishment that when I was a junior in high school, I was invited to the University of Illinois to play with their or pit orchestra. It was pretty cool. Obviously, I don't still do that because I'm a pastor, not in the orchestra somewhere. Um, but, but what I, I loved, I played timpani and, and I played the, uh, the, the other percussion. What I understood was that cymbal. At the right point of a song, it's perfect. My favorite was, was when the, the music starts to build and, and, and you start to swell the cymbal. If, you know what I, if you're a drummer, you know what I'm talking about. And, and just, it builds and you can feel like it's beautiful. But I was also once in junior high percussion. <laughs> and I understand the pain of a misplaced cymbal swell or a cymbal crash. It is irritating. It makes me want to get up and leave. And what Paul is saying is if you have all of the power and you're talking to somebody about the things of the, of the Holy Spirit and the Bible, but have not love, you're really just turning them off. You are nothing. Like, Paul, that hurts my feelings, but think about that. That's why we spent so many uh, uh, weeks on love. Love fiercely. Love God. Love your spouse. Love your family. Love. If you are not with love, you are nothing. He says you could have all the faith to move mountains. He goes through all of these gifts. You could have all, uh, tongues. You could have prophecy. You could have all these words. But without love, it's nothing. He was saying, you have all this power to, to move mountains and the Holy Spirit is within you. But you're not operating in love. It's nothing. It reminds me of a very cheesy saying from a superhero movie, because sometimes I'm cheesy this way. Remember Spider-Man? And his uncle said these words, with great power comes great responsibility. Okay, I say it's cheesy because we've said it a thousand times. But it's true. Paul's writing to him and saying, you operate in these gifts. But without love, it's nothing. He says, without love, you gain nothing. He says, you could have all of this stuff. You could have riches and wealth and fame and power and letter four years in band and have all of this stuff. But without love, you gain nothing. How many of you want to come to the end of your life and gain nothing. I don't want that to be said of me. It's not where I want to be. That's why we got to put a big circle on loving fiercely. 
Paul says he stops in the middle of talking and he says, but listen, love has got to be the, the focus. To build each other up has got to be the focus. To build the church has got to be our focus. Helping others see the loving God. And he challenges us that, not just because love is a good idea. And not even just because God operates out of love, or it's a descriptor of his character. The Bible tells us that God is love. Not just his idea, not just something he feels towards us, but it's who he is, and he cannot be anything else. And what Paul is saying is without love, we don't have God and we're nothing. And we got to understand that. But at the same time, both and better together, Paul says these words. However, without the Holy Spirit, we are powerless to love that way. How do I know that? Again, look at it in context. It's all within talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He ends 12 going into 13, but let me show you the greater way. Now look how he closes, uh, opens 14 to keep talking. 14 chapter, uh, chapter 14 verse 1 says this, let love be your highest goal. Amen? We can't stop there. We cannot end and put a period there and move on because context tells us we must keep reading. He says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives us. But also, and together, they're better. Also desire the power of the Holy Spirit. These special abilities are these gifts. He talks about them, and, and he mentions uh, uh, tongues, interpretation, words, knowledge. And, and in chapter 12, he gives us a list, and that's not an extensive list, because he also gives, a, gives us a list of gifts in Romans and, and Ephesians, and First Peter talks about these gifts. There are a lot of gifts, but these are the special abilities that Paul is talking about that we need to pursue. Because it's with these gifts, with these abilities, that we see the power of God work through us to love people, to show them the love of Jesus, to love our families fiercely. Maybe you didn't know it, but today is a very special day on our calendar. Today is what we call the day of Pentecost. Maybe you've never heard of that before, and that's fine. It's not when we talk about it a whole lot, but on this day, we commemorate and remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, which was the birth of the church which was the empowerment for the church to go out and love people and to make disciples of all nations. This is the day that we commemorate what happened. Maybe you don't know what happened. If you flip to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, it, Jesus was about to go back up into heaven, and, and the, the followers were, were there in that upper room, and Jesus says these words, Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift I promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What he says is this, I have a great mission for you, but you can't do it on your own. You need something more. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says, you need this power. I'm calling you to love fiercely. I'm calling you to go be the love of God to a nation, to a world. 
but on your own. You can't do it. We need something more. So what did that look like in Acts chapter 2? The Bible tells us that they were in that upper room and this big, mighty, crushing, rushing uh, wind sound. Just, you've heard it maybe. This thunderous wind blowing through. This loud noise fell upon them as they were praying. And it says that tongues of fire appeared on their heads and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. But meaning, the Spirit gave them the ability. They were filled. They began to speak. I've read that a hundred times. Maybe more. I was reading this week in Acts chapter 2 just about all of this. And it says in verse 6, listen to this. Chapter 2, verse 6. When they heard the loud noise, when they, all the people around, heard this loud noise, they came running. I stopped there for a second. When you hear loud noise, like if there's a tornado coming or, or this mighty windstorm, do you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to get away. Self-preservation says don't run into the tornado. And there's some crazies who do. But the rest of us go the other way. There's something bad over there. The Bible tells us that when these people heard this noise, they came not walking inquisitive. The Bible tells us that they came running. And it says they came, they came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages spoken by all the believers. What in the world caused these people to come running at the sound of crashing wind? I want to tell you this. It's not curiosity. It was not, a, uh, you know what it's called when you're rubbernecked and you have to look at all this. It's not. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Because what the Holy Spirit does is draws people to God. That is the power. And that is what he fills us with. The power of the Spirit to draw people to God. That's what he does. And when the Holy Spirit moves in this way, things happen that you and I cannot do on our own. How do I know this? Keep reading. Context. What does Peter do when all of these people came running and bewildered and going, what's going on? He gets up and he speaks with the power of the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people were saved. That is not something that happens when I try really hard. That's something that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we're powerless. We got nothing. Here's, here's, here's the point. As we bring this series in for a landing, as we close this series and love fiercely, we cannot live life either or. We can't just say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love because we can't love fiercely enough without the Holy Spirit. What the church in Corinth was doing was all in the Holy Spirit and was not loving. Our tendency as a human nature is to split them and go either or, which one's more important? Paul's goal was not to tell you one is better and only one. He's saying both and. Obviously love's the better way. Paul says that, right? Coupled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Why do we say this? And why, Caleb, Pastor Caleb and I were talking, like, every message in the series, we, we kind of went back to Acts, and, and, and why? Because of this one point. It's at the convergence of love and power where we find Jesus Christ. It's at the crossroads of love and power where we see Jesus in the very presence 
of our Savior. It's at the crossroads where miracles happen. It's at the crossroads of love and power where the impossible begins to be possible. It's at the crossroads where, where lives are changed. It's at the crossroads of love and power where we can be fierce love, where we can live committed to faith, marriage, family, community. It's the convergence of those two where we find the very presence of the Almighty God because he is perfect love and pure power. And that's our target. Moving in these, these gifts, moving in the spirit, moving in that power to point others to Jesus, to build up the church. That is our call. And I find it all over this book. All over the Bible do I find these moments where love and power converge. That's where we need to live. When was the last time you went to God and said, God, I cannot do this without you? Holy Spirit, fill me because right now I can't say that I love my family the way I need to. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. There's a person in the Bible I'm sure you've heard of. His name's Moses in the Old Testament. He says it the way that I think our hearts need to cry out. God called Moses to lead a nation. How many of you want to become president? I don't. You make a lot of enemies in that position. God called Moses to an impossible task. But not only did he call him to lead a nation, he called him to lead a nation on the move. Have you ever taken your family on a road trip? Talk about griping and complaining, right? That's who he was leading. Moses knew the task. And he says these words. Exodus chapter 33, verse 15. Then Moses said, God, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Do you hear his heart and his, his compassion and his, his just crying out to God? God, I can't do this. Do not call us to this mission without being present with us. He says these words in verse 16. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets us apart. Sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. What he's saying is this. If your presence is the only thing that's going to set us apart from everybody else. Church, look at me. Everyone watching online, look at me. We can love people. We can love them well. But we'll never love them enough to see them in eternity apart from the Holy Spirit. That's what Moses is saying. We need this. We're a church who believes in outreach. But we don't do outreach for outreach's sake. If you look at the world around us, they are dying, they are broken, they are hurting. We have people shooting other people up. This should not be so. We have a lot of people who are hungry and homeless and have nothing and are living on, 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 on nothing. Listen, with all of this stuff going on, I don't know what to do. I don't have enough strength to go meet every need, let alone even the ones in my little circle. Here's what I know. You watch the news and there's a lot of bad news. 
But if you look carefully, there is a lot of great humanitarian efforts going on in our world. There's a lot of great humanitarian organizations that are, that are feeding, that are clothing, that are putting in homes, that are going to the, where the wars and, and terrible stuff happen and they're bringing food. There's a lot of great humanitarian efforts. And church, we need to be part of that. But what we don't need to be is just another humanitarian effort. Because our goal is not to meet them and give them food for now. Our goal is to see their hearts and souls saved for eternity. And the only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we can't draw them, the Spirit does. Now we will meet their physical need because we will love fiercely. But it opens the door for the Holy Spirit to do the work on the inside. It's love and power. It's living with boldness. I can't tell you how many times I've been in conversations where someone's confronted me about faith or sits in my office or on the street or just pouring out their hurt and I'm just overwhelmed. I don't know how to, I'm not polished enough. I, I don't have the right words. I probably haven't read the right book to help you in this situation. My heart goes out to you, and, and, and sometimes all I can do is sit and cry with people, and that's okay. But in that moment, let me, let me show you just a glimpse into Adam and, and, and what I do. I, I, I take a moment while they're talking say, Holy Spirit, fill me with words I do not have. With wisdom and knowledge that I, just, I don't have. And then I step out in boldness and begin to speak. And I start to say things that I didn't know that I even knew. Scriptures that I had memorized when I was four years old start to come back. I'm like, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from, from the Holy Spirit. That's what happens when the church says, I'm in. It's both and lifestyle for me. It's saying, God, fill me to love my family and love my spouse. Give me the patience I need. But then stepping out in boldness and saying, I'm going to operate and live in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. My question to you is this. Are you living both and? Are you living both and? The power of the Spirit and fierce love. Because it's the convergence of those two where Jesus is. I want you to stand with me as we close. We're not done yet. The worship team is going to lead us in a song of response. And I want you to take a moment and listen. We are going to purposely sculpt. I'll come back and close. Don't worry, we're not going to be 30 minutes. We'll, be, we'll end it in shortly. But we want to carve out time and make room for the Holy Spirit to do something within us, to empower us on this day of Pentecost, to go do what this whole series has been about, what Pastor Rob has called us to do, live, love, and lead. Holy Spirit, I want to carve out time and make room for you in here. I surrender who I am. They're going to lead us in a song that says these words, and I want you to let the Holy Spirit move in you, challenge you to walk out these doors and live both and. And walk in power. The team is going to lead us. And in a moment, I'm going to come back up, and we're going to close. I'm going to pray. We'll be done. But I want you to take a second and let the Holy Spirit fill you and say, God, I'm in. I'm making room.